Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in today for Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, for some people, a transaction is not complete until they have tried to score a discount. For others, the very idea of asking for a lower price for a hotel room, rent, a vacation makes them cringe. But in an economy where prices are on the rise, haggling may be the ticket. We'll talk to the experts about how, where, and why it's a good idea to haggle. And we'll hear from you. What's the best deal you've negotiated recently? That's next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in today for Mina Kim. When I was little, I would my mom would send me up to the airport check-in counter in hopes that I could swoon the flight attendants into upgrading our seats. I'd walk up with my stuffed animal tucked under my arm and ask if there was space available up front. And they'd always kind of stare down at me and giggle. But it worked. I remember flying first class a lot as a little kid. And that's what we're talking about today, how to get a better deal. Some people love to haggle. My mom loved to haggle. It was like a sport. Others squirm at the very idea. But with a little haggling, you can get a better deal on your cell phone plan, pay cheaper rent, lower your medical bills. That's what we're going to learn about today. And our experts will offer some tips you can apply to your personal life, like who does the dishes, who takes the dog for a walk. It's all part of negotiating. Here to tell us a little bit about how to do this well is Veronica Dagger. She's a personal finance reporter for the Wall Street Journal, and she's part of the team behind the piece, The Complete Guide to Haggling in This Economy. And Richard Schell, he's a professor of legal studies and business ethics and management at the Wharton School. And he's the author of Bargaining for Advantage, Negotiation Strategies for Reasonable People, and The Art of Woo, Using Strategic Persuasion to Sell Your Ideas. So good morning to both of you. Uh, Veronica, I just want to kind of set the stage here. How do you define haggling and, and how is it different from negotiating? Uh, well, good morning, Leslie, and it is hilarious. I love the story about you and your mom. Um, kudos to both of you. That is incredible. And, uh, you know, uh, my kid is only two, but one day I may employ this strategy. Send her up front. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. He's got a really stuffed animal, so cute stuffed animal, so we could do it. Um, so, you know, I, from what I understand, haggling is a form of negotiating, right? And so all the experts that I spoke to, researchers who study this, so, you know, it is a form of negotiating and more often not than not, it is for a one-off transaction. There's exceptions to this, but 
you might haggle for a car. You may not go back to that car dealership. You may haggle at a farmer's market. You may or may not go back. Um, so that is one aspect of it. But the thing to keep in mind is that there is so much more negotiable than you realize. And the most effective haggling that I've learned is it's not adversarial. It may be a, a bit um, outspoken than some people are used to, but it's not this nasty, you know, toe-to-toe fighting that's going to get you the best results. And Richard, how would you distinguish that from negotiating, or would you? Oh, yeah. Um, Leslie, I, I think Veronica's uh, pretty much nailed it. The, the I'd say instead of whether it's a one-off transaction, I would probably phrase it that it's a one-issue negotiation, because you can haggle with the same people um, in in many different ways, and it can be playful, it can be expected, it can be um, a normal part of your interaction, um, and so you you know you can have a relationship that actually has haggling sort of built into it, um, but it is usually one issue, so it's something you can slice. Uh, if it's a price, if it's taking turns on something, if it's a uh, time, uh, whatever it is, uh, you can haggle over it and you both start in one place and you sort of move around and aim toward the middle and you end up somewhere in there. Can each of you give me your favorite example? Maybe Veronica, can you go first? Something, some, you know, way that you negotiated or, or haggled that, that might surprise our listeners? So recently I haggled for better rent. My landlord, we live in a very hot neighborhood for rentals. A lot of people do these days. And uh, our rent was proposed to go $600, which is, you know, as I mentioned, I have a two-year-old. That's $600 I do not have lying around as my daycare actually went up $500. And I knew there was going to be no haggling with the daycare that has a, a wait list. So my best bet was to haggle with my landlord. And I, this was all done over email because he's based in Asia half the time. And so there's a time difference. But what I brought up when he proposed the increase, and I said, you know, uh, I understand that your costs are going up as a landlord. So I try to show some sympathy. But I also said, you know, listen, we are extraordinary tenants. We not only do we pay on time, sometimes we're actually a little bit earlier. If there is a problem in the unit, we try to take it upon ourselves to fix it before we have to call you to deal with the headache, or we try to make minor fixes to save you money so you don't have to pay for that. So I played that up. I also brought in a human aspect as well. I said, listen, as you know, when you guys lived here, you were, your kids were young, had, you know, you, you're, they were, you know, around the same age as my son. And so I'm sure you can relate that all of our costs as a family are going up and we love it here. We want to stay here. We don't want to have to deal with you having the hassle of, of calling uh, a broker and putting the unit on the market. All that's time consuming and annoying. You never know who you're going to get as a tenant, blah, blah, blah. And we went back and forth a few times. And so we still ended up paying more, but instead of $600 more, we're paying $300 more for the next two years. And that to me is a win because like I said, we're in such a tight real estate market. So it took me a moment to get the courage up to do it. I'll, I'll admit, because I was afraid of getting kicked out of the place that I liked, mm -hmm. but you know, you got to put that aside. 
You know, I'll just throw out an example. In a, we also live in a very tight market here in in San Francisco for daycares, and we had applied to a bunch, and we got into the one that we wanted to, and then right at the last minute, another one did open up a spot. <clears throat> and when I went to the first daycare and I said, "Hey, this other place opened a spot, and it's cheaper," they kind of did what your landlord did, which was meet or match the price of the cheaper daycare, just because they didn't want to have to, you know, find another family at the last minute, etc. So I think great. Yeah, exactly. Richard, what about you? Do you do you have a good example or a surprising example that you can offer our listeners? Uh, I I'm you know it's funny I'm the it's sort of interesting that I'm on this show and that I teach and write about this subject because I actually am one of the people that it's a little nervous about haggling myself, and so part of uh, my journey has been uh, to sort of arrange the way I do it so that I'm comfortable with who I am when I'm doing it. Uh, so. You know, example for me is uh, going to, I was at a luxury hotel with my uh, spouse and we checked in and I went down to check something at the front desk. And this is one of my habits. So I got to the front desk. I was asking about, you know, so schedule for something. But I always say, is there a package that uh, we might qualify for? You know, and I just sort of ask that question. I find a time when the clerk's not busy. And uh, so I went down and asked that question. And the answer was, well, uh, we really only have one package that applies this weekend. Uh, it's the anniversary package. Uh, and I said, oh, well, could we have that? And uh, the clerk said, well, is it your anniversary? And I said, well, you know, every day is an anniversary if you love your spouse. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so so she looked at me and her heart melted a little and she said, well, sure, okay. So I, I uh, turned out that what I got, I went back to, my, to the room we were in, I told my wife, well, we're going to move to a bigger room. They're going to give us free wine. They're going to give us a free picture from the house photographer. They're going to give us, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. Uh, and she said, well, what happened? I said, well, it's our anniversary. Uh, because I told them that every day is an anniversary when you're in love with the person you live with. And she melted too. And so, you know, it it worked out. I, I just I just have a few stock things that I like to do rather than say, can you get between for less? It's, can you do better than that? Is there any kind of a deal that might apply? Is there uh, uh, some sort of, can you explain a little more why it is that this is, uh, being charged the way it is, and then investigate the reasons. And very often when you are good at asking questions, and that tends to open up a little space, and then you can sort of see if you fit into it. I think all of these examples illustrate very much that this is, you know, not only you know, getting the deal, but kind of wooing the person into, you know, seeing you as someone that they want to help. It's a bit of a personality, like, you know, I'm, I'm someone that you want to help. I'm a good person. Is that kind of the art of doing this is kind of making it fun and jovial, Veronica? I think so. And I agree with uh, the professor in terms of you got to work with your personality. So I personally have a lot more fun with it if I say it with a smile or a little humor and not taking it so seriously. And in general, I found it to be far better received. I mean, don't get me wrong. I once tried to negotiate with for a car for my mom. And I was as much as like 16 at the time. I was trying to help my mom, who's a widow. I went in there with guns blazing. And, you know, and I did end up getting like something, you know, $4,000 off or something like that. But uh, I just remember the reaction of the salesman. I think he kind of gave it to us just because he wanted to 
get rid of us. And he felt bad for the situation where, you know, my, my mom was a widow type of thing, but I, I don't think in general, that technique, uh, it didn't feel right to me. And in, I don't think it, it tends to work. It, it tends to turn people off and get them on the defense, especially when you're negotiating for something like, say, I want to get the resort fee taken off my hotel bill. Well, the person standing at the desk who may or may not have the authority to get rid of that charge. And if you're they're probably getting yelled at all day by disgruntled cu customers. So if you're going up to them, you're just another person yelling at them for something they probably have zero control over. Why are they going to be motivated to help you? They probably won't. And then you'll feel yucky afterwards, I think. And, and they probably, I'm sure they will too. So I like that nicer approach. I think being nicer, absolutely, is the key. I mean, when I was 16, I probably, I think I went in guns blazing as well to a car sales lot and worked the salesman. At the end of the day, he said, I have never been worked like this ever before. Would you like a job? <laughs> <laughs> So we are we are talking about the art of haggling or bargaining. Some people would rather die than haggle. And for some reason now these days, I feel that way. Apparently, I had a lot more or had better skills when I was little. But for others, a transaction is not complete until they have asked for a discount. Which one are you? Um, and we, we are joined now to kind of puzzle this out and offer some advice. We're joined by Veronica Dagger. She's a personal finance reporter Wall Street, for the Wall Street Journal. And she's part of the team behind the piece, The Complete Guide to Haggling in This Economy. And Richard Schell, he's a professor of legal studies and business ethics management at the Wharton School. And we want to hear from you. Are you a haggler? Is it a sport for you? Do you have a success story you want to share with us? Or does the idea of haggling make you kind of cringe? Uh, maybe you have some or you want some advice from our experts. Email your comments, your questions to forum at kqed.org. Or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. Or give us a call now at 866-733-7686. That's 87. 866-733-6786. We've got one listener who writes... When it became clear that all three kids in the family were going to need braces and one of us had a particularly severe overbite that was going to cost thousands of dollars to fix, my mom spoke to our orthodontist and about getting a price break. He was sympathetic to our family situation. Apparently, my braces were practically free. He waived his fee. She liked to say, my mom liked to say, if you don't ask, then you won't get it. We want to hear more stories, more examples, or feel free to ask our experts some, some questions about where, when, and how to haggle. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in today for Mina Kim. And we're talking about the art of haggling or bargaining, maybe getting that discount on things, surprising things, even things like medical bills, rent, maybe your cell phone bill. Some people obviously would rather die than do that, but other people, it's kind of like a sport. And to kind of figure this out, we're joined by Veronica Dagger. She's a personal finance reporter for the Wall Street Journal. And she recently, with a team of reporters, wrote The Complete Guide to Haggling in This Economy. And Richard Schell, he's a professor of legal studies and business ethics and management at the Wharton School. He's also the author of the book Bargaining for Advantage and the book The Art of Woo. And we want to hear from you. Are you a haggler? Do you have a haggling strategy? Where's a place that you asked for a discount recently and got one? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or you can email your comments or questions to forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. We're at KQED Forum. And let's go to a call. Uh, This is Wendy in Oakland. You're on the air. Hi, this program brings back so many memories. When I was eight and my sister was four, we helped my dad learn how to negotiate um, by going to the car dealership. You learned how to do this? Like your dad took you there just to learn the art? So uh, my dad passed away 10 years ago and he was amazing. He never went to college, but he was very self-taught. And after working his way up, he got a job as a buyer for General Electric, and he had no idea how to do this. So he read books, and then to put into practice what he was learning, he would go to car dealerships so you know he could practice the different tactics. And I didn't know this when I was eight, but what he did say is, you and your sister, be quiet, be nice, let me do this, and when I give you the signal, start a fight, make oh. noise cry, do anything you can. And clearly that was his out. So he would negotiate to the point where it was time to like sign on the dotted line. And then, oh my gosh, my kids, my kids, I have to go. And then, you know, we would go and get ice cream. And Wendy, are you a haggler to this day or was that a terrifying experience growing up? I loved it. And I am. I actually, um, got uh, ended up getting a graduate certificate in international conflict resolution and i you know i've never used it for anything except you know peace in the house with my husband and kid but everything that i have seen just reinforces everything that your panelists are talking about today it's you know it's not an at for me it's not an adversarial relationship it's it's being friendly. It's asking. If the answer is no, that's okay. Uh, you know, as long as you're nice, as long as you're polite and you go into things with a good attitude, it can't hurt to ask. I guess that's the big lesson I really took away from my dad. It can't hurt to ask as long as you're nice. Yeah, we've heard that a few times this morning. Thank you, Wendy, so much for calling in. Uh, Lulu writes, in Guatemala, where I came from, haggling is a common practice. Most tourists, most tourists have a hard time doing it. But one time I met a European who was so good and polite about it. He made it seem like a game or, or even a dance. Vendors liked him and followed along, and he always got a local's price or lower. So that's, I remember that in Guatemala as well. Uh, let's go to another caller, Abigail in Sacramento. Abigail, you're on the air. <laughs> Oh, I love listening to Forum. Thanks for having me on. I just want to share my absolute worst, most epic uh, haggle fail. Let's hear it. 
All right. I, le- I was in Shanghai for about nine months, and I was told by the locals you have to haggle for everything. Uh, so I went into a store. I was really proud of myself for learning how to haggle for a, a lot of things pretty low. And I was haggling for a lunchbox, and the girl wouldn't go down in price. And I knew for sure if I walked away, she was going to come after me. <laughs> Except when I walked outside, I looked at the sign, and I thought it was basically the equivalent of a dollar store. Her <laughs> things didn't go drop below a dollar. Oh so I went back in to pick up the lunchbox, and the girl did the most. Oh. Oops, sorry. Uh-oh. You just cut out there a little bit. We heard lunchbox, and then and then take it from there. So we went. I went back in to buy it, realizing the, the price was dirt cheap anyway. And the young girl gave the most the most evil laugh I've ever heard, and it was hilarious. Oh my goodness. Ouch. Well, thanks for sharing that story, Abigail. We appreciate it. And let's go to one more call, uh, call here. Uh, Ronnie, you're on the air in Fairfax. Hi. Um, so I just wanted to share that I think so much of this, I mean, even the way you're framing the story is like haggling, right? So haggling brings up this t- a bad connotation, like it is something that makes you want to cringe. But I actually think it's more just about negotiating. And I come from a multicultural background. My, my parents are Israeli. And so in Israel, anybody who's worked with an Israeli or has a sense of Israeli culture, it's just par for the course. And I think it's par for the course in most of the world. We're so privileged in America, so we kind of, we, we feel bad about it. We feel shame. I notice as my economic class has increased that I feel maybe a little bad about bargaining when I used to not so much. I was 10 years old in Mexico. I saw my mom, my dad haggling at the local uh, market, and I decided, hey, I'm going to try the same thing. So here I am, 10 years old, and I asked how much is a sombrero. The guy says 3,000 pesos. I say, I'll give you 750. He says, okay. And I was like, wow, I was 10, and that was a huge revelation. So now I actually teach this stuff, and I think that probably my biggest tip would be work on the mindset piece. If you think that haggling is something dirty or negotiating or asking for what you want and need is something dirty, you probably won't do it, and if you do, you're not going to be good at it. Instead of just accepting that this is how most of the world does it, we can do it too, there's a way to do it that is in integrity where other people's needs get met as well, but where you're able to just clearly say what you want and ask for a discount if it's available. Somebody's selling a car for 5000 it doesn't hurt to say I'll give you 2000 They might laugh at you or like me when I did that 10 years ago, they might say, okay. And, you know, so looking at other cultures, I think can be helpful as well and just working through our own mindset around this stuff. Thanks for calling, Ronnie. Uh, Richard, you said that you're from a family who this isn't actually part of your your cultural upbringing at all, and yet you've chosen to teach the art of negotiating. So, h- how did you make that transition? And like Ronnie, do you have any tips for going from you know it makes you cringe to to successful uh, haggling or negotiating? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I came from a military family. My dad was a general in the Marines, so he didn't really have to negotiate a lot, <laughs> uh, and. Uh, and my mom was uh, just a reserved person, uh, you know, not not especially uh, uh, aggressive person. They got along great. They were married for decades and decades. Uh, so for me, I grew up in this household where people pretty much were just polite and avoided uh, confrontation of all kinds, not just negotiation. And as I grew into my 20s, I realized this is an area I need to to you know get better at because it's not just negotiation; it's it's just interpersonal conflict. 
and I was anxious about it. And I knew that, you know, as I get to be a professional, you're going to have to manage conflict of all kinds. So I put my mind to it. Uh, went to some courses when I was younger and then got really interested in it. Because once you once you start investigating what negotiation is, and as we said, haggling's uh, uh, the sort of nut kernel part of negotiation, uh, it's just about people. It's it's the it's social psychology in a very interesting uh, and and amazing way because you can create a lot of value if you know how to manage conflict constructively. People tend to get angry or they tend to lose perspective, and if you're uh, if you've got a bigger picture of what's going on, you can you can help people. Uh, and so I was interested. One of your callers said that uh, she had gotten interested in this as a kid, and then she went and got a graduate certificate in international conflict. It's it's a it it's a it's a very interesting field, and so studying it, even if you're not a specialist, tends to increase your insights into humans. You can read the paper, you understand a little more about what Biden just accomplished, mm. uh, negotiating uh, the debt ceiling or what's going on in the Ukraine, and how to handle somebody who's certifiable like Putin. Uh, and uh, you know you don't win them all. Uh, but you understand a lot more if you put yourself out there. So for me, it was practice. Um, and then with practice, understanding, with understanding the ability to explain it, which is what teachers do, uh, that, that all that can add a tremendous motivation. Uh, and then nowadays, I just think of every negotiation opportunity where it comes up if in my job as a professor or as an administrator, uh, or whether it's, uh, you know, trying to negotiate to get travel insurance to pay a claim on my travel insurance policy, which I had to do recently. I just look at every single one of those as a chance to practice. Hmm. Uh, it, it's a chance to learn. It's a chance to engage because uh, it's, it's, you have to have the sort of courage yourself to do it. But if you think of this as an opportunity to connect with someone else, and one thing that we haven't talked about yet, but it's quite different to do this on the phone than it is in person. And a lot of consumer haggles end up on the phone. Uh, and the same things work. Uh, you just have to do it in a way that you treat the other person who's on that phone, who's sitting in a phone bank someplace with a headset on, Treat them as a human. Uh, get into their world. And very often they want to help you. Right. Yeah, I think it, it seems like you can kind of just start going for it. And then as you go along, kind of, you know, the art of personality, that's just something you're just going to get better at as you get positive feedback. Um, you know, if, it, if something works or something doesn't work, you know, whether or not to ask an open-ended question, you know, learning that smiling and being friendly, that kind of stuff, it's probably hard to teach. But over time, those muscles kind of uh, get stronger. Mitch asks, I recently had someone come to my home to give me a quote on a one-time yard work job, and I wasn't sure how much it was going to cost, but I knew there was an amount that I was not going to go above. Was I haggling or was I negotiating? If one is willing to walk away from the service or product offered, is that what distinguishes a negotiation? Veronica? I think you always need to know your walk away point with these things, because at a certain point, you're going to go over budget. And I think that's that's a key point, too, right now. And somebody brought up the idea of privilege in this country. Many people had the privilege of not needing to negotiate or haggle. Right now, though, and we've seen this in the last you know year or two, inflation is is still running really hot and prices have increased so much. So if you're talking about mindset and you're talking about trying to understand your limits, A, you have to look at your budget, but you also need to think about all the higher prices you're paying across the board. So for many, 
haggling is really the smart financial move to do now because you don't have an infinite pot of money. Raises in general are not keeping up with inflation. And so you need to think about how are you going to maximize the dollars you have. Another point I want to mention about mindset. Um, one of the callers also said, you know, some people are afraid of the way they come off. And when I was reporting out this story, I heard this a lot. People were, some people were afraid of coming off as a jerk. Like if I go to the farmer's market and I'm negotiating with the person who's the farmer, am I the jerk if I'm sitting there, you know, I know I have this, you know, cushy, so to speak, office job. And, and what I've said to people and what I have found is actually so many people are expecting the negotiation. So instead of thinking like, am I the jerk for asking for a better price? It might be more like, am I the jerk for not asking for a better price? <laughs> you know, you're going to be the person walking away like, oh, you know, another sucker. And so I, I think there's a lot of shifting that needs to be done to get comfortable with this. Um, some experts I've also speak to who especially speak to about women and negotiation. Some women may have more of an obstacle than, than guys in, in doing uh, asking for a better price. So that's something to consider as well. So uh Mm -hmm. worst you can hear is no. Right. It seems like there's not much loss, right? Someone's going to say no, probably nicely, right? No, sorry, that doesn't work for us. Or no, you know, no, sorry, we, that poli you know, our policies don't allow it. But uh, the risk seems way higher than the, than the uh, you know, the outcome, you know, going poorly. Let's take another call from Eileen in Berkeley. Eileen, you're on the air. Hi there. Uh, I think this is such an interesting topic um, because well, I grew up in Berkeley and sort of middle class, and m my family did not haggle at all. I, I didn't really even realize it was a thing um, until I traveled in the late 90s to uh, to Thailand and, you know, realizing it was part of the culture there, really engaged and enjoyed it. Uh, but I didn't realize it was part of culture here at all. And um, that feeling is sort of evolving as I'm well into adulthood now and, um, you know, went through a point of seeing friends haggle at hotels and kind of thought it was totally tacky, you know, put my head down, walked away. Um, but now I'm, I'm realizing in part from this topic today that, oh God, it, it is a thing and not just when you buy a car. Um, but I'm now working for myself, just, just beginning uh, and realizing, you know, I've set a rate and that rate doesn't always work for everybody. And so now I'm in a situation of negotiating my rate, but also in light of this discussion, wondering, you know, what's the difference between negotiation and haggling? Uh, and then sort of the, the negative, the negative feeling around the word haggle, um, you know, is it the same or how different is it than negotiating? So thanks for this uh, discussion. Yeah, we've, we've touched on that a little bit. But uh, Richard, can you talk about, especially when we're talking about salaries or in this case, you know, setting, a, you know, the price for whatever your worth is, the service that you're offering. I'm imagining that's a little bit more in the negotiating realm and, and how to do that well. Yeah, that and in fact, I would I would uh, urge people who have a problem with the word haggle or the sense of it, just leave it. Uh, it's all negotiation, and negotiation has a more sort of a self, uh, you know, a respectful feeling. And uh, and negotiating uh, the one example uh, that your uh, earlier caller gave about the person coming in. Uh, to give a quote on a yard job, you're, you negotiate with them. Uh, it's not about haggling. You can say, "Well, I could, I, I can afford 
to pay you X uh, at this point. Uh, do you have any other options that you might be able to give me? Uh, uh, suppose that we uh, re-engaged and had this happen every quarter or every year or something. So you, you try to make it into um, a series of discussions, and then people start thinking that thoughts I didn't have before. So negotiation is about how to allocate anything that's scarce, time, space, money, uh, who goes onto the highway before you. Uh, and haggling has this sense of, uh, I think if you're in a haggle culture and you're at the straw market in Jamaica, then that's fine. It's going to be a playful, expected, uh, kind of fun thing to try out. But even in the straw market in Jamaica, I personally would say I'm going to go negotiate for that because it opens up options mentally for me. I can say there may be other ways to solve this problem of getting this hat and not just the single either we win or we lose on the price. So I would say frame it as a negotiation. Think of it as an allocation of something, but then think of it also in the context of the relationship. There's some relationship there, even if it's only for five minutes, and how you treat people to some extent is who you are. And so you should, you know, be accountable to yourself for the way that you're spending your time on the planet. And that includes respecting people uh, in, in all the dimensions that you have. If you start thinking about it that way, then it becomes more of an investigation rather than a negotiation. And that then people are pretty comfortable asking questions and trying to figure out what's going on. So, I, you know, if haggle doesn't work for you, don't. Negotiate. Negotiate it. Well, Kate writes, uh, my Girl Scout troop took us on a field trip to a tag sale to learn how to haggle. And it was awkward at first, but it's a really great skill. My father taught me that the first person to say, sorry, my father taught me that the first person to say a number loses out. So here's a tip. If you're reluctant to haggle, ask the price and then just stay silent. And the seller will usually take the silence as haggling and lower the price for you. We're talking about the art of haggling or bargaining or getting a discount. Some people obviously would rather die than do this, but we're offering our experts are offering a lot of great tips to kind of get over those fears. Uh, to help us puzzle this out today is Veronica Dagger, and she's a personal finance reporter for the Wall Street Journal. And she's part of the team behind the piece, The Complete Guide to Haggling in This Economy. And Richard Shell, he's a professor of legal studies and business ethics and management at the Wharton School. And he's also the author of Bargaining for Advantage and The Art of Woo. And we want to hear from you. Are you a haggler? Do you have a success story you want to share with us? Maybe a favorite strategy that's really worked for you? Or maybe you have some questions about how to get over your fears. Give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or you can email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org or find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum again. I'm Leslie McClurg. I'm in today for Mina Kim, and we're talking about the art of haggling or bargaining or getting a discount on things. Uh, We're joined today by Veronica Dagger. She's a personal finance reporter for The Wall Street Journal, and Richard Schell. He's a professor of legal studies and business business ethics and management at the Wharton School. And we do want to hear from you. Are you a haggler? Do you have a success story? Give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. And we want to go to a call now. Uh, Let's hear from Jeff in San Francisco. Hi, how are you? This is a great program. Um, Actually, I've learned a lot of vocabulary for something I didn't realize I was doing. But uh, my experience was this. I was the creative director for a a women's lingerie company based in Columbus, Ohio. And I was traveling to New York with one of the vice presidents for a uh, a meeting. And it was January and, and snowy and bad. So we... We left New York late because uh, because we were almost snowed in and got to our uh, connection in Pittsburgh, but we missed the last flight. So now I'm trying to make arrangements. You know, what do we do? What do we do with the last flight? So I finally got up to the counter, and it's an ocean of people just screaming and shouting and being horrible. And I I couldn't, you know, I started talking to the, uh, the desk agent there, and I, I didn't really have any ulterior motive. I didn't really go in thinking I would negotiate something, but I, I, I connected with her. I had some empathy for her, and I was talking about how I appreciate her help and how difficult it must be with all these people just yelling at you, and it's not like you can control the weather. And then we finally got to, I'm traveling with my, wasn't my boss, but she was one of the executives, and I, you know, what can I do? What happens next? And she said, well, there's not a flight out until the next morning and this was you know really going to be like an eight-hour stay in the airport so i said well oh what do i do now i I, i'm really kind of stuck here and you know i've not had you know so anyhow i i think that connected with her a little bit the next thing i know she says well i think i can help you i can get you a room at a hotel and a taxi there and back in the morning and i'm like oh that's so wonderful but I'm traveling with one of the executives. We can't really share a room. And she's next thing I know, she gives me a, another room and breakfast in the morning and arranged the flight. And it was all because I, I, I decided just to be courteous and not do what the others were doing, scream and shout. And incidentally, my friend that I was traveling with was a New Yorker. And I could see her sort of, you know, kicking the turf, getting ready to start screaming herself when I stopped her and said, just, just let me do this. So what I've, what I'm hearing from your program, which I think is great, is it's more about empathy. It's connection. It's, uh, in my case, I put myself in the other person's sort of shoes. And by doing that, I think they were more willing to um, help. You know, I, I've been in a situation in customer service where I can do an awful lot for people. But when they come on, you know, all guns blazing, it's sort of like, okay, well, no, nothing I can do here. I had a similar experience at the Department of Motor Vehicles. I was playing a, paying a, uh, a ticket, which was entirely my fault. I wasn't, you know, same thing. People were screaming and shouting. I, 
Mm-hmm. I get to the counter there, and again, and I wasn't doing this with motives. I just sincerely felt bad for the person behind the counter, explained my situation. I'm not complaining. I'm not arguing the ticket. I just, you know, but I, I felt bad for her. And she, yeah, she said, can I, it's going to take me a while to take care of this. Can I get you a cup of coffee? <laughs> I'm like, yes. So she went and got me a cup of coffee, and I looked at the coffee, and I, I kind of went, oh. She's like, what, what? I like cream. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She went and got me cream for the coffee. And this is the San Francisco, the DMV, which everybody has horror stories. But I think to negotiate, it is definitely not, or to haggle, it's definitely not adversarial. It's actually it to, yeah, to kind of make friends, even with someone at the DMV, which that is an enlightening place to, to try to be nice, that the whole energy there is, is often pretty tough. Thank you so much, Jeff, for, for sharing your story. Let, let's hear from another caller, uh, Chris, in Oakland. You're on the air. Yes, hi there. Thank you. Um, I, I love the topic. I, I've got to point out, though, that I'm not hearing a great deal about the different economic conditions of the people you're negotiating with, for instance. We just came from uh, Europe and like looked up the uh, the rate that Uber drivers in Lisbon get paid, and it was it was pitiful. So we typically tipped, and and you know tipping is sort of the opposite of negotiating downward in a way. Um, does it matter whether the farmer is making a living at the prices they're charging, or whether uh, the Uber driver is you know having to work 16-hour days in order to pay the bills? What do you think, Richard? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, you're, you're a human first, uh, and, and your understanding of the human situation that the, your counterpart is in is a very important thing. I think part of what uh, Leslie, both you and Veronica could have been saying, however, is that in certain situations, um, the, the economic situation sort of being held as a constant, if negotiation or haggling is expected, uh, even in a straw market in Jamaica where the sellers are considerably less wealthy than the buyers, uh, they, they it's actually part of their expectation of the fun part of the day to have these kinds of playful interactions as long as they're done respectfully and not arrogantly. And so it isn't like you're injuring someone to negotiate with them unless you do it in an injurious way. So, uh, so, but I'm totally sympathetic. I, I was, I spent some time in India and I, there's so many people begging and who are poor on the streets. And I, I, you know, I just finally figured out, I just took a certain amount of money every day, put it in my pocket and just gave it away. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't want to keep giving all my money away. So I just budgeted how much I would give away every day. And the first 25 people that I saw got whatever or kids, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, you have to interact with your social reality in a way that you find self-respectful. And I imagine, Richard, that those interactions where you're giving the money away were actually really rewarding interactions. Because in, in, in some countries, you can feel guilty kind of the whole day walking down the streets, seeing people who are, you know, much you know, really struggling. But but I have found that if I hand a dollar, the smile that I get or that that moment of interaction can be an incredibly rewarding experience, just like when a when a really good haggle goes goes well, like you said, at the Jamaica straw market. I'm going to push back just a touch here, though. Lorraine writes, consider small businesses that can't afford to lower their prices when their prices are reasonable. Hagglers in these in these cases can be very annoying and almost disrespectful when they insist on a discount and feel entitled to one. So Richard, what are some examples of places 
places where you really don't you don't want to actually ask for a discount? Are there some places where this is off the table? Uh, you know, I think as a teacher of negotiation, I get asked a lot of questions like this, and I have a wonderful response. Uh, it depends, uh, because it always really does depend on the situation. I don't think there's a, a single category of things that are like off bounds, but I do separate two dimensions. One, what do you ask for? And two, how do you ask for it? And, um, and the problem is that people ask for it in the wrong way not that they ask for it at all. Uh, so I think if you uh, put the idea out there that you'd like to pay less for whatever it is, and they say, well, I'm sorry, this is, the, this is our price, this is the way we say business, you can respond to that by saying, totally respect that. Uh, and here's, here's what it costs, you know, here's my money. Um, but having asked is not a bad habit to get into because, mm, I don't know, six and a half times out of 10, um, you know, there's opportunities there that, and as you said at the lead, we're in an inflationary period. We're in a time when, uh, when, when saving money is, uh, I, I like to, you know, sometimes people say, I, I feel terrible negotiating uh, for myself. I feel greedy. I say, well, then don't negotiate for yourself. Think of who you're negotiating for. Is it your children? Is it their college education? Is it your future retirement fund? Is it your, I mean, it's rare that someone has too much money uh, it, to, to take care of their financial security or their uh, self-respect later in life. And um, so, again, it's, it's not what you ask for. It's how you do it. This, this comment from a listener kind of underscores there what you're saying, Richard. I'm an artist, and sometimes I'm stunned by what people will do to get a discount. I've had hedge fund managers impersonating interior designers to try to get the traditional 20% off that I give to interior designers. On the other hand, I have sold to others who never asked for a discount. When people ask for a discount, in my head, I always want to ask them if they would ask their lawyer or their doctor for a discount. I have declined some sales where people were too pushy. Let's go to one more caller, or another caller, I should say, uh, Lamar in San Jose. Lamar, you're on the air. Lamar, are you there? All right, let's go to uh, Laura instead in Martinez. Laura? Hi there. Thanks so much. I have a tip from my expert negotiating husband and also a cute story. Um, my husband's a naturally charming guy, loves to talk to anybody and everybody, and just having that ability to schmooze is such a great way to grease wheels and um, you not only get to know all kinds of cool people, but sometimes you can ask for and get a, a great discount. And a case in point was that we, on our 25th wedding anniversary, one of the things we did was take a trip to Hawaii. We were on Maui. And at one part of the trip, we ended up in an, an Airbnb-type place that was not uh, very suitable. It wasn't great. It was a little on the dirty and dusty side. And... We kind of said, okay, well, we can do this for a couple of nights. But uh, went to dinner at a beautiful resort that was a very high-end resort that was just down the road from this place. And to me, my husband had seen an ad on the television that this place had some kind of an anniversary special. Um, so he excused himself while we were having dinner. He went to the front desk and he spoke to one of the front desk people and said, I saw your ad on TV. I'd like to know if I could get uh, whatever this 
discount rate was for uh, it, it was actually, this place was all little villas on the beach. It was gorgeous. They were, I could think they were about $2,000 a night. And the person at the front desk said, oh, I'm sorry, that ad is expired. This special has run out. He said, well, maybe I could speak to your manager. Is that possible? And uh, he got the manager. My husband explained the anniversary situation. And um, she was looking in her computer, kind of being sympathetic, not finding any place that I think would have fit the special in perhaps their smaller rooms. And she said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you the, the $2,000 night villa. We'll honor the special that you saw on TV. And I think it was maybe $150. So we switched from the dirty Airbnb to a gorgeous on the beach villa, and it was a very memorable moment. Excellent. Sounds like a beautiful moment, for sure. Uh, We're talking about the art of haggling or bargaining. Some people would rather die than do it, but we're hearing lots of examples of how it works out really well. We're joined by Veronica Dagger and Richard Schell. Uh, Veronica is the personal finance reporter for The Wall Street Journal, and Richard is a professor of legal studies and business ethics and management at the Wharton School. And we want to hear from you. The number to call is 866-733-6786, Are you a haggler or do you have a success story that you want to share with us? Email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. You're listening to Forum and I'm Leslie McClurg in for Mina Kim. Let's go to to another caller. Uh, Lamar is back. Lamar in San Jose, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Good morning. How are you doing? Good, doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. I uh, listen to the uh, morning show. Very nice. I love it very much. I want to tell a success story about I think it's not a success story of how haggling was part of my life growing up in Florida. My dad would teach me at a young age, once I would uh, work for him and get money to go back to school to buy clothes, we'll go to the flea market. And he would say, well, before we go in the store, don't use all your money. So if I had 200 bucks, he'll say, put 100 bucks in your stock and then put 100 bucks in your pocket. And then once we go to the market, we negotiate, we can nego- negotiate with the buyer or the or seller. And he said, always identify what's around you in your surroundings, like relate to the person and you can always get a better deal. And all they can do is say no and it won't hurt you. Beautiful. Thanks for that tip, Lamar. We've heard that over and over this morning. It can't hurt to ask. A listener writes, a member of my family is famous for his negotiations with his cable and internet company. Every year when his contract ends, he sets aside several hours to call the company and tell the sales rep that he will not be renewing. And she then lets them pull out every single incentive for him to stay one by to, for him to stay one by one. His famous method for wringing out yet one additional incentive is to allow the sales rep to get right to the point of clinching the deal, and then he uses his signature phrase of, "You know, I'm just not quite comfortable with that." <laughs> um, it, it, Veronica, do you have any advice for folks? You know, right at the end, sort of clincher deals. Any any little tidbits of advice? Uh, you, you could say something, oh, I need to check with my spouse. Um, you know, maybe I, I should call you back. That might get them a little nervous that you're going to walk away. I know some uh, couples who go shopping together and play good to cop, bad cop in order to work that strategy in real life. Uh, I, one of the things that we may have not mentioned directly, and I think plays really well into this conversation, is the importance of research. 
right? And so knowing how much you should be paying for the cell phone plan or the hotel stay or what the hotel's competitor is offering, having that research is going to make you a more effective haggler. It also helps with that whole relationship aspect as well, building that respect. Because if someone's trying to charge you, I don't know, $2,000 for something and you're offering them $200, automatically, especially if they're a small business owner, they're going to feel disrespectful and disrespected and not want to deal with you. But if you come in uh, in a range that's a lot more uh, acceptable to what the market is offering, you have a better chance of getting that discount that you're looking for. So doing that research and showing the respect go hand in hand. Well, let's squeeze in one quick call before we close today. Adrian in Santa Clara, you're on the air. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, so my point is that you don't have to just take interest charges and other fees from a lot of companies. I will call the credit card company and generally I don't accrue a lot of interest. And if it's rare that if I'm, if I accrue interest, I'll just give them a call and say, hey, look, I'm a valued customer. I've been here X amount of years or whatnot, and I rarely have interest charges, and they always take the interest charges out. Um, another one is same thing with Comcast. If you have an outage in your area, that's not part of their terms of service, and I call them afterwards, and I say, hey, the Internet was out, and they'll give like a $20 credit um, beyond, you know, negotiating when your Comcast um, years up and they start, start, you know, knocking on, putting on $20, I'll call and say, Hey, um, there's a new, um, a new package. And they'll typically just give you a new package. doesn't hurt to ask. Again, we hear that uh, over and over today. I'll squeeze in one quick comment. A listener writes, I was visiting a large market in Kashmar, China, and a friendly 10-year-old boy approached me with this persuasive sales pitch for his goatskin hats. He asked for 100 won, and I was so impressed with his English and just charmed by his personality. I immediately agreed. He whispered to me, lower the price. So I said, 90 won? He said, lower. So I said, 50? He said, no, 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 80. I said, okay. But then he whispered again, lower. So I said, 60. He said, 65. And we both agreed. So that's where we landed. That was my first lesson in bargaining. Sometimes there just is a price. You just got to haggle to get there. Uh, Thank you to all our callers today. What a fascinating topic. We've been talking about the art of haggling or bargaining. Like I said, some people would rather die than do it, but hopefully they have some inspiring new tips to, to go forth into the world and get a lower discount. Thank you, Veronica Dagger, for joining us today. She's a personal finance reporter for The Wall Street Journal. And Richard Schell, thank you, professor of legal studies and business ethics and management at the Wharton School. Have a wonderful morning. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for joining us on Forum. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. 
Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.